Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Details of Life, where you will hear from some of the most interesting minds in sports. I am your host, yours truly, Marcus Wilson. Thanks again for coming back one more time. I know you could be a lot of other places, but you chose to be here, and I sincerely appreciate it. You know what? We have a great show for you today. Have someone that you're going to recognize from college, and he's now doing work in the NBA in a different capacity. We'll meet him a little bit later. But for right now, I want to give you my recap in sports. With that said, let's go ahead and get it. So this happened a little bit more than a week ago, but with me being a Notre Dame fan, I have to go ahead and address it. Yes, Notre Dame took a thump into Alabama. I get it. You know what? But who didn't take a thump into Alabama? This is the second time in a row when we lost to Clemson. I say we, Notre Dame. Y'all know I'm a Notre Dame fan. But we lost to Clemson, and then we lost to Alabama. We lost to by far the best team in the country. In the championship game, the team lost by more points than what we did. We only lost by 17 to Bama. I mean, how much they end up beating Ohio State by 28 or something like that? I mean, at least give us our props. But when we lose, it's such a big deal. It is what it is. Alabama was the best team in the country this year. Tip my hat off to him. Nick Saban's got it rolling. I don't know how we're going to stop that dynasty. Brings me to my point, though. We need the playoffs with six spots. I addressed this before in a previous podcast. I think we need six six spots, guys. The top two teams get the bye. And then six will play three. Five will play four. Again, what that does is it gives you five power five teams, or at least the option for the champion from all power five programs and a spot for the next group of five, the Cincinnati's, the BYU's, the UCS, smaller schools like that. Let's just add a couple more teams in the pot. I think we'll get a better product. Moving on to college basketball. For me, the big story is all the game cancellations. Every time you get excited for a game, I'm so mad that COVID took away Gonzaga versus Baylor when we were getting ready to see that game last month. But so many game cancellations, can't get a good continuity. Teams are scouting a game and then all of a sudden having to readjust and play another game that they weren't planning on playing. It's hectic right now. I really don't envy college coaches right now or the players. I'm glad they're playing, but it's making it tough. The games that are being played, I do have to give a shout out to Darren DeVries, coach over at Drake, doing a heck of a job. As of now, 13-0, and 0, no one saw that coming. Great job representing the Missouri Valley Conference. Evansville, Evansville, I brought them up when they were on their losing streak. My alma mater had lost 22 games in a row. Todd Licklider and company doing miracles over there. I mean, when you watch Evansville play, you don't see just five-star talent everywhere, not even four-star talent. But what you do see is Coach Licklider has got them coming together, playing hard, playing for each other, really balanced. Got about five guys averaging right around 10 points. It's not the most exciting brand of basketball. It's got to keep the possessions low to have an opportunity to win, but that's what he's doing. They won four in a row, guys. A lot of people weren't even sure if they were going to win four games all year. Nevertheless, went 4-0 and find themselves 6-6 six and six at the upper half of the Missouri Valley Conference race. Like I said, tipping my hat off to you guys as well over there. Ranked teams right now, we got 24-ranked slew. People in St. Louis are excited about that top 25 ranking. Keep that rolling. We got number 17, Mizzou, trying to say not so fast. We are the best team in the show me state. Coach Martin's got that rolling over there. Man, I love their staff. You got Clemson who we interviewed, I interviewed Coach Brad Brunell this summer. I, I had no idea that they had a top 15 team in the country. I knew they had a chance to be good, but they're sitting at number 12 right now. Watch them. They play great defense. Number seven, Michigan, they're undefeated. I didn't know if uh, Jawan was going to be able to bring it back 
you know, the way that Beeline had it. I mean, Beeline had it rolling. Jawan's doing a great job. I love what he's doing. Sadi Washington, the coach on the staff there. Shout out to him. Shout out to you, brother, and all you're doing. Good luck with you guys. And then we got Texas. Local product, Courtney Ramey on Texas. Man, they're great right now. I'm happy for Shaka Smart. Top five. You know, I was worried about him for a while. Was he going to be able to translate that helter-skelter from VCU to Texas? He's doing it top five in the country on the 9th, which was a couple of days ago, Saturday, January 9th. Three years to the day that Shaka Smart had to inform his squad that Andrew Jones had been diagnosed with leukemia. Three years to the day, he hits a game when it's shot. Man, you can't draw it up any better than that. Shouts out to Texas. Man, I'm rooting for you. You got a great story, not just basketball related, but with the perseverance that Andrew Jones went through with cancer, being back, joining his team. It's awesome to see. On, on a personal note, I had my first nationally broadcasted game on January the 2nd, Evansville versus Northern Iowa. Just want to say thanks to my production team. They made me look good. But, you know, I do ESPN Plus, ESPN 3, some of those. I was on NBC Sports, Fox Sports Midwest. What a great opportunity. I love doing that. And like, like I said, thanks to the production teams for making me look good. Moving on to the NBA. Again, games are being canceled. Most recently, the Pelicans and the Mavs and Celtics and the Bulls were just, were just canceled. But Tyrese Maxey is taking advantage of, of the opportunity. Just dropped 39 the other night. I knew Tyrese Maxey was good. I didn't know he was capable of dropping 40 in the NBA good. Shouts out to him for that. I just hope that we can start getting teams vaccinated so we don't have as many cancellations. Philly and Boston are looking good in the East, both sitting at seven, seven and three at the time of this recording. On the other end, you got Toronto, two and seven, and you got Washington at two and eight. Now, Bradley Bill is averaging 35 points a game. Love Bradley Bill, love what he does on the court, off the court, great guy. Brad, man, I. I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like everyone else. Let's get you up out of Washington while you got some great years left in you. One of the top players in the league, top two-way guards, two guards. Let's get you on a championship team so you can do this at a bigger market on TV for some championships. Got it in you, brother. I'm rooting for you. In the West, you got the Lakers and the Suns looking good. You know, if I don't know if y'all remember, when the bubble came back last year, the Suns were playing well. They just missed the playoffs. Picked up right where they left off. Love what they're doing over there. Houston's looking suspect at three and five. We got New Orleans at four and five, which I think is a disappointment. And the reason I say that is you got Ingram, Zion, Lonzo Ball, Bledsoe, Stephen Adams, Josh Hart, and J.J. Redick all have played every game. So they've played nine games and they're sitting at four and five. If a couple of them had been hurt, I would say, oh, yeah, wait till they get their whole team back. The whole team's back. That was pretty much the team last year. I expected more. I hope they turn around. Great young group. I'm just looking for some more success out of them. Moving on to the NFL. We got the playoffs, you know. My two teams that I – well, I got three teams that I really support. I got hometown Indianapolis Colts. I got close to hometown Chicago Bears. And then I kind of root for the Chiefs because I live in Missouri. The Colts and the Bears both got in. I didn't expect the Colts to go up to Buffalo and beat them. I mean, uh, the kid is playing well. Allen, the quarterback, 324 yards, two touchdowns, had another like over 50 on the ground. I mean, he's playing great. Shouts out to them. Rams upset the Seahawks. Bucks, Tom Brady went ahead and got them their first win since what 2002, I believe. We're, we're going on 20 years now in the playoffs. Shout out to the Bucks for that. Ravens and Titans, they held Megatron or whatever you want to call Derrick Henry in check. 
great job there by the Ravens. When you can play defense like that, you got a chance to win. And then, you know, you got the Saints beat the Bears. That's my second team. So both of my teams made the playoffs. Both of my teams were out in the first round. But at least I had reason to celebrate. And then the Browns, the best game of the weekend. They saved it for last on Sunday night and did not disappoint. 28 points in that first quarter. Got the upset over the Steelers. I'm happy for them. They needed to get over that hump. Meant a lot for the city of Cleveland. In closing, next week, I got Bills, Ravens. I'm going with the Bills. Packers, Rams. I'm going with the Pack. Browns, Chiefs. As much as I love Cleveland, I'm going with the Chiefs. And then we got Buck Saints. I think this is the last hurrah for both of these quarterbacks, really, to get a legitimate chance of winning the Super Bowl. I'm going with Tom Brady. Never bet against the greatest quarterback of all time. With that being said, thank you so much for this week in review. And now we're going to bring in today's guest, Drew Nicholas. Many of you may know his name from his time at Maryland. Won a national title there in 2002. Was an all-conference guard to be all-conference in the ACC. You got to be able to get it. And that dude could definitely put the ball in the bucket. After college, went and had a great year in Europe. Played for some of the top teams in Spain. Won two EuroLeague championships. Led the EuroLeague in scoring multiple times. I mean, you name it, he did it. Put Ethis Pilsen, some of the Panathinaikos, even the people that don't know much about European basketball know some of those names. He played at the highest of levels. After that, came back to the United States, was doing some things and got into the NBA working as a scout. What I was interested in is what do these scouts look for when they're evaluating players? What gets them high up on that, on that draft chart? And even more importantly, what do they look for off the court that could eliminate a player from being drafted? How deep do they go into the investigations of your Twitter, of your IG, of TikTok, all those other things? I'm telling you guys, it's going to blow your mind how deep these NBA teams go. But let's hear it from the man himself. So without further ado, let's go ahead and bring in Drew Nicholas. Like I just prefaced, ladies and gentlemen, today I have a friend of mine and someone that some of you, many of you probably remember from his days at Maryland and we're going to catch up with what he's doing right now. Drew Nicholas, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. Thanks for coming on. We'll go ahead and jump right in. Like I said, you have a, a wide range of experiences with basketball, but going back to your days at Maryland, I remember you being a hooper and a shooter. Uh, can't cover it all, but who was probably your best player that you played against in your time in Maryland? Woof, man, that's a that's a tough one, um, you know, because over the over the span of my four years, you know, playing in the ACC, there there are tons and tons of talented guys. Um, if I had to choose one, um, I remember we played Connecticut in the Elite Eight my my junior year, the year that we won the national championship, and Karan Butler gave us 34, <laughs> 34 good ones. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was so bad that that we ended up having to go zone just because. You know, like nobody could contain him. So, you know, that was that was one guy. And then the only other guy I'd like to mention is probably I didn't play him in a real game. But, you know, when I was doing my pre-draft workouts, um, I had a chance to work out with the Miami Heat. And um, it just so ended up happening. Um, my my workout was with a guy named Dwayne Wade. Ooh. So so I think <laughs> you can imagine how that workout went. You know, <laughs> I tell a lot of people a lot of times that uh, I might be partly the reason why uh, I <laughs> You grab Mr. Wade at number five. I remember him coming out. 
I remember him being just, I thought he was just an athlete. I had no idea he was going to be as good as what he is right now. I had no idea at that time was I thinking Dwayne Wade would be, in my opinion, and I know this is disputable, probably the third best shooting guard of all time behind MJ and Kobe, right? No. I mean, there's some other people, Clyde Drexler, there's some other people in there, but D Wade is most people. No question. Top five. And yes, yes. I agree with you. Top three. And, you know, and, and I tell people all the time, like the jump that he made, you know, cause again, I worked out with him and, and on that day, like, yeah, he was that much better than me, but I never envisioned that he would go on to have right. the career that, that he had. So, yeah. you know, goes to him. And I mean, obviously whatever he did, it worked out. <laughs> right. Right. Moving on after that, you went on and played. how many years professionally did you play? Uh, 10 years, 10 years, a yeah. yep. little bit here and there. We talked about a little of this before I started recording. You know, I have some crazy overseas stories. I was held up at Knife Point in Turkey. I was held hostage in Ukraine. Um, you played in Turkey as well in the EuroLeague. So throughout some of your experiences in, in, in Europe, what was maybe your craziest overseas story? You know, it's actually funny because I, I think the craziest story didn't necessarily have to do with anything that was outside of the court, but but it happened in Turkey. So my second year in Turkey, I was playing with, I was with F.S. Pilsen and, um, you know, we were getting ready to go to, to Serbia. Like, I think this is probably like a Friday or Friday or a Saturday. We had a game in Serbia on the following Wednesday and um, something happened at the U.S. Embassy in Serbia. So like they like bombed the U.S. Embassy. Mm -hmm. And so President Bush at the time came out with a statement basically stating that all Americans should not go to Serbia during this time because we don't necessarily know what's going on. And so, you know, and there was probably five or six Americans on our team. I mean, and we were stacked. Like, I'm sure all these guys that, that I'm gonna mention, you remember Scooney Penn, Lauren Woods, Kenny Gregory, Andre Hudson. We were Man. all on the same crew. Man, and so, that's you a know, tough we, squad. Yeah, we were deep. Um, and basically our club, they didn't, they didn't tell us anything. You know, they were just kind of acting as if like, it's everyday business. And now all of a sudden Monday rolls around and we're still like, yo, what's up? Like, I'm talking with people back home. I'm talking with my agent. Like, should I go? Should I stay? And, um, and actually our coach at the time was David Black, you know, the ex coach mm, yeah. of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, you yeah. know, now he just worked with the New York Knicks for a little while. Um, and finally Tuesday night, you know, after practice, I, you know, I let Coach Blatt know, I, you know, I called him up considering he had been American. I, so he could kind of relate to what I was saying. I was like, Coach, like, I, I don't feel comfortable about going. Right. And, um, you know, he was like, ah, oh, you know, it's going to be all right. You know, just come. But, you know, um, in my heart of hearts at the time, you know, I, I wasn't comfortable with doing it. So me, it ended up being me and a couple of my other teammates decided not to go. Mm. So they ended up going. They played the game. Unfortunately, they lost. And then when they came back, um, you know, I got released. Yeah. Because, because I decided not to go, um, you know, but eventually it all worked out in, in the end. Cause then from there, I ended up going to Panathinaikos where I won two year league championships. So it's got a funny way of, of working itself out, I guess you could say. Man, people don't understand how cutthroat it is in Europe. You know, just, I was telling someone today, my first two to three years in Europe, I don't even think I unpacked my bag. Right. I, right. I was that, cause I've seen so many Americans have two bad games in a row. Then the next thing you know, you're like, where Drew at? You know, like he was just balling right. and they'll send you home. And it's not like America guys. So people out there listening, it's not guaranteed contracts. They say it's guaranteed, but countries like Turkey, those Eastern European countries, 
you are not seeing a dime out of that. You know, France, Italy, Spain, maybe. Right. And not, not, not Turkey. So you you won two uh, EuroLeague championships over at Panathinaikos? Who's yeah. all on your squad over there? And who was uh, your coach? Or- I mean, Zelko Obradovich, who, you know, mm-hmm. I know a lot of, I know a lot of Americans don't know that name, but I mean, he's a legit Hall of Famer. And yes, yeah, he like, is. The best coach that I ever played for, like hands down, not even close. Um, but some of the names I played with, Sarunas Yazikavichis, who, you know, obviously played in the league for four or five years. Yep. Uh, Mike Batiste, who had a great, you know, yeah. Euro League career. Yeah. Um, you know, Nikola Pekovic was on my team. You know, Big Peck, he played with the Timberwolves for a number of years. So, I mean, we were stacked, man. I yeah. mean, you know, great, great teams. Just from how you explained the story from Turkey to Panathinaikos, some European clubs decide to get more Americans. Some mm-hmm. get more Europeans. And your game could fit with both. I mean, how many Americans did you have on your team at Panathinaikos? Just two. Just me yeah. and Mike. Right. Yeah. Just two. And then you said it was, what, six at six. Turkey. Right. So... Yes, this is a crazy adjustment. So any of you guys is looking to get overseas in Europe, you're going to have to learn how to fit your game into how they're playing. Because you could have probably went over there and averaged 24. I, I'm just guessing on your EuroLeague championship team, 15 or less. <laughs> I think I think my highest average, my three years at Panathinaikos was maybe 11. Yeah. And our highest, you know, <laughs> four, we probably had like six or seven guys that averaged between eight and 13. Yeah. I mean, we were that balanced, you know, I mean, yeah, we had guys who, you know, the game might revolve around, but then they were making plays for others. And then, you know, other guys were feeding off of that, but yeah, it wasn't like, especially once you get to the Euro league level, there's very, very few high successful teams where you got one guy who's averaging. Exactly. Right. It just exactly doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, man. That's cool to talk about. So moving on to where you're at now, you're a scout. I want to learn a little bit more about the details of that job, but being a scout in the NBA. So for those of you who don't know, was, uh, Drew was working with the Timberwolves, is now with the 76ers. A lot of people say they want to get into the game. They want to either be a coach or a trainer or a scout. What did your path to being a scout look like? How did you get there? You know, it's, it's funny because it wasn't even necessarily something that I was looking to do. Um, you know, when I retired, I always knew that I was a basketball lifer. I always knew that I was going to do something within the game. So that's why immediately when I retired, I started doing broadcasting. And then after I did broadcasting for a couple of years and then I transitioned into coaching, I was an assistant uh, high school coach down here in Florida for a year. And then coincidentally, it just so happened that, you know, while I was playing overseas in Europe, I had developed a relationship with, with a guy who, who was, who was at the time an assistant general manager for an NBA team, but then had transitioned out and he was in the agent business and, you're just having a conversation one day and he was like, you know what, Drew, like, you know, I, I think you'd be a perfect fit of being in an NBA front office. And it mm. was something that honestly, like a light bulb just switched on just that day. Yeah. And I had never even given it any thought. Well, I gave it some thought, but I thought that it was going to be hard for me to, to get into those doors because I had never played in the NBA. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, he threw my name out there a little bit and then, it just so ended up happening. I got an interview with the Timberwolves and the rest has been history from there. I tell people this all the time, people and kids, relationships matter. How you treat people matter. When it's, I don't care how good you are in college, they're going to remember how you treated them your senior year. And you can say, oh, it's been 12 years later. I've matured. I've grown. Man, people are, it's important to treat people well. I'm sure if you were a jerk back in the day, there's no way he's throwing your name out there to be a scout. 
man. And, and I know this is one of the things that you're probably going to want to segue into, but you know, it's such a huge part of now, you know, me as a scout now of our evaluation of players. I mean, you know, what we do in terms of how much time and resources we spend on going back and speaking to a kid's high school geography teacher. And, Mm. you know, that was probably maybe five years ago, but, you know, and we understand that sometimes kids are immature, but, you know, those are, those are the types of things that I think that a lot of people don't understand of, of the things that we look for when we're trying to decide who we're going to um, select in our organization. No, you're exactly right. I do want to get to that. I think that's the, the meat and potatoes of this conversation. Before I get to that, if you're a player out there and you're wondering, how do I get noticed, right? Do I, can I take the Dame Lillard route? play at Weber State or do is it better that I go to the ACC and I'm playing against high level competition every day will the scouts be able to find me if I'm at a smaller school and then secondly just from a basketball only standpoint what are some of the things that really stand out to you when you're evaluating a guy is he going to be able to adjust and and be a a good player at the next level well in in response to your first question uh the answer is if you have talent you can play we'll find you Um, especially just because now with all the technology, um, you know, we're watching film on guys from all over the world. Giannis is a great example. Giannis was playing in the second division in Greece, you know, where there's probably 20 people in the stands every night, but there is film out there. So um, don't, don't be discouraged if you're, if you're at a smaller school. I mean, there's so many examples. I mean, John Moran, CJ McCollum, you know, so many of the stars now, have come from smaller schools. So don't ever be discouraged just because maybe if you're not playing in a conference where you're on ESPN two times a week. Um, And then to answer your second question, I would say, you know, now, especially in today's game, um, how well do you process the game? Do you have a great basketball IQ? How fundamentally sound are you? Can you dribble, pass and shoot? Probably shooting is at an all time high premium right now with with all the analytics of the game and you see how many teams are taking three pointers and wanting to make three three pointers because you want to have space around your stars. Um, I I would say all of those things. Um, Another one that I think that, that a lot of times kids don't have a problem with is, you know, they've been a star at the high school level. They maybe have been, they've probably been a star at the college level, but now how all of a sudden do you take when now all of a sudden you're the eighth or ninth man or 10th or 12th man on a roster? Can you play your role? Yep. Um, a lot of guys struggle with that because they've always been the guy and they've always had the ball in their hands. Well, guess what? Now all of a sudden you're at the creme de la creme and we've already got somebody else who's going to have the ball (laughs) in their hands for the majority of the time. So you better, you better learn how to play without it. So, you know, those are some of the skills that I think that, you know, sometimes kids lack and you know, what we're always looking for. Man, I'm so glad you said that because a lot of college guys, you're right. They're going to have the ball in their hand the majority of the time. You get drafted by the 76ers. You get drafted by the Lakers. They're not taking the ball out of Embiid's and Simmons' hands to put into yours and watch you dribble or to take the ball out of LeBron's hands or AD's to watch you dribble. You better learn how to be efficient when you get the ball. Are you knocking it down? Are you making the correct extra pass IQ? Uh, can you make those rotations on defense? Process all the plays and remember that, man, I'm so glad you spoke on that. And then uh, the second part, which is, I think me and you, this is one of the ways, man, you first connected when you're looking to draft a player. I don't think these kids realize the importance of their overall behavior and how they carry themselves. I remember talking to you 
this was what, four years ago? I might be off a year or so, but Jason Tatum was coming out, mm-hmm. coming out of Duke. I talked to you and you asked me some questions about him. I didn't even coach him. I helped recruit him when I was at SLU. We didn't even get him, but we talked about how he behaved in that process, what I knew about him in the city. I mean, Jason Taylor might not even remember who I am. I wasn't, but I saw him enough and you guys were that diligent to do your research. So if you could, you know, share a little bit, how far are you guys going to depth when you're making that decision? You know, I, I, I would say this, close your eyes and just imagine as extensive as you can go. <laughs> That's, that's how far, you know, we're willing to go in order to try to learn as much as we can about a particular prospect. I mean, Marcus, let's say you're the owner of a business and you're about to invest seven to $10 million in that, in that particular thing or that particular person. Wouldn't you want to know just about everything you can, everything I can get before you decide to make that that decision. So for all the young kids that are out there watching, one of the most uncomfortable situations is when sometimes we're, we're in a draft process with somebody and we bring out a sheet of paper that's a copy of the kid's Twitter or Instagram. And we slide them the sheet of paper and we say, explain this. They look at it and it could be from like 2014 and they're befuddled at... <laughs> what potentially they might've been saying. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's innocent. Sometimes it's innocent rap lyrics or something like that. But other times there's some stuff in, in which it's like, what was your process? Why were you thinking about even putting something out there like that? And now all of a sudden you've got to sit here and answer it, um, you know, years down the road. Man, that is, th- those are some gems. Like you said, if someone's going to be invested millions into you, you better know that they're going to be doing their research. And so, Make, the, make good decisions out there, young guys. So before I close up with you, I'm pretty sure you could coach college if you wanted. But, you know, just the relationships that you've had, being a good college player, people still know who you are across the country, but especially in that DMV area. You've now got relationships in the college and the NBA. What's next for Drew Nicholas in the next five years? Where do you see yourself? Are you trying to move up in the scouting world? Are you trying to get into coaching? You start your own business? What, what can we expect next from you in, in, in the upcoming years? Man, I... I'd love to be a general manager of a, of an NBA team. You know, I'd, uh, you know, I want to continue to stay in this path on the, on the, on the NBA front office side. And, you know, um, I was telling somebody the other day, you know, even if I ever did get myself into that position, um, you know, I know for a lot of people, like the, the simple goal of what I think NBA general managers is like, Hey, I'm going to lead this team to an NBA championship, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I've, Gladly, you know, uh, I've had the opportunity to do that as a player. Um, but, you know, I think for me, like legacy, I'd love to be a general manager and I'd love to be able to help the people under me then branch out and become general managers. That's yeah. really yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that, because I think even I think no, when you're in a position of leadership in general, whether it's business or if you're a college coach, your your job in my opinion, win games, graduate players, and make sure that you are facilitating and helping your assistants reach their goals in life as well, right? That's what a leader does. Even if you're not winning a national championship, if your assistants, if you're placing them in position to be head coaches, reach their dreams, make more money, provide for their families better, and you're doing that same thing by allowing kids to graduate, make sure they're going to class, that's to me, that's, just, that's more important than actually winning the championship. Now, if you can do all three, that's the trifecta. So it's 
awesome to hear you say that not only do you, part of your goal will benefit others reaching their goals, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that, that's essentially my goal is that would be my way of helping others. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. essentially what I want to do. Well, man, that, that, that says a lot about who you are. That's why I wanted to bring you on. So I appreciate you making the time, Drew, and best of luck to whatever you're doing. What now being a scout and whatever you, the future holds for you, you're going to be successful, man. I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate it. All right, man. Peace. Yep. Bye. Thank you, Drew, for coming on and giving us that knowledge. I sincerely appreciate it. I'm rooting for you, brother, and everything you're doing in your future endeavors. With that being said, everybody, that brings us to about a close of today's episode. You know, I was really impressed with the details and some of the things that we learned from Drew about how the NBA looks into these guys. And you got to get that information if you want to be great, because you know what? Greatness is in the details, guys. Man, I love being here. Thank you for coming back week after week. Continue to like, subscribe, and share. We're going to continue growing. Can't wait to see you next week. Have a good one. Peace.